Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. Taking you home, prime time, only on Money FM 89.3. Thanks indeed for joining us on Prime Time. You're with Bharati Jagdish and Timothy Go. Now, the internet has witnessed some major disruptions from offering read-only static content at its inception to much more dynamic, interactive, and a decentralized experience now, right? And Web 3.0 is indeed evolving with innovations in DeFi, blockchain, cryptocurrencies, and distributed ledgers as its foundation. Now, in December last year, the total market capitalization of cryptocurrency stood at $2.2 trillion, while the total locked value in DeFi protocols grew by over 1,000% year-on-year. So how will DeFi and Web 3.0 continue to shape the future of finance, and what impact will it have on financial service laws and regulations. Joyce Aitan, Managing Director of Joyce Aitan and Partners LLC, who is also a panel moderator at TechLaw.Fest 2022, joins us now to tell us more. Hi, Joyce. Hello, hi. Hey, nice to be talking to you today, Joyce. Now, here's the thing. Let's start with the basics. We've heard this term be banded about a lot lately, Web 3.0. But what exactly are we talking about in terms of scale and scope here? Well, Web 3.0 essentially um, brings about um, an internet ver- a version of the internet where uh, we are really focusing on decentralization, uh, more openness and transparency, more user ownership, where really the aspiration is a more democratized um, internet. Um, and that really is uh, what underpins how decentralized finance, what you refer to as DeFi, uh, has come about. So really that is the building block and the foundation of what we're talking about today. Okay, Joyce, so what is then decentralized finance? How do you enable it? What can we use it for? Well, basically, to understand decentralized finance, we'll take a minute to just, uh, uh, you know, make an observation about what traditional banks and financial institu- institutions have been doing. And essentially, when we talk about their business, it is the transfer, the handling and the custody of funds and assets, where they facilitate that between businesses or parties and do it in a way where they essentially are the intermediary. Well, what DeFi does is turn that on its head in a way because it cuts out the need for that middleman. And the way in which this is enabled is because of the technology that we just spoke about, where basically strangers, in fact, anonymous strangers even, uh, can come together and transact with one another directly on the distributed ledger, what you refer to as the DLT or the blockchain, in a decentralized um, ecosystem of smart contracts, for example, uh, which enables them to con- transact with each other for borrowing, lending, uh, trading transactions uh, in assets or funds. I mean, that, that essentially is what it's all about. Now, just like central banks all over the world, the MAS is also keeping a close eye on Web 3.0 and DeFi. The question then is, you know, what exactly should be allowed to happen and what should be kept in check? Because you also can't let all of this turn into something that is not regulated completely unregulated can you yeah well this this issue about regulation of course is a very is a very challenging one because hitherto the industry has been regulated in what we call a very segmented way banks are regulated as banks financial companies and finance companies are regulated as such according to their known activities and therefore how that is all managed in a way that keeps the economy and consumers safe and based on that sort of like you know organic way in which the industry grew and and therefore as reflected in the legislation 
what the regulation is facing in terms of a challenge now is that those traditional segmented lines uh, are what, uh, where the agitation is taking place. Because when you get big tech moving in and providing payment services, and you have big tech providing that enabling technology, what you have is a question of, well, who's doing what? Mm. Uh, and, and in Singapore, for example, that, that question, in fact, has manifested in the recent passing of a more omnibus legislation, which is basically the Financial Services and Markets Act, that is, in fact, a direct reflection of mm. this state of affairs, where perhaps it's not realistic nor meaningful to continue to regulate the industry based on those segments as we had historically known them. Mm. That's not what's happening uh, in the front line. You know, the activities, are, there's a lot more convergence, convergence in terms of activities, convergence in terms of roles, convergence in terms of, um, you know, even technology and platforms. So uh, it's calling out for a new kind of regulation. It's calling out for looking at the risks popping up in different quarters. Uh, and you have risks such as because when you do anonymous DLT-type transactions, sometimes you have problems of identity depending on how it is fashioned, how it is programmed, issues of security of a different sort. Uh, you have issues of, um, you know, risk issues of volatility of the digital assets, which you would have less control over, let's say, over fiat currency, which is, of course, legal tender. But, you know, if there is a demand for these digital assets, then you know how much they can actually affect the economy ultimately in an aggregated fashion. Mm. That calls for, you know, uh, looking at that differently. And, of course, you are then challenged by the fact that while you wish to regulate this in a way that keeps everybody safe and the economy stable, you at the same time don't wish to thwart innovation, right? Exactly. And I think the whole concept of decentralized finance was based on the fact that it would be autonomous. So a lot of people are saying, you know, now we're bringing regulation in. It's like it defeats the purpose that we started with. Well, uh, when you say the purpose, it is the purpose of the industry or maybe the purpose of the libertarians who actually yeah. started this whole movement. Mm who really said, you know, why do we need the banks? They're just the middleman. Uh, you know, it's this whole thing about um, greater autonomy, as you say. But at the same time, because they are uh, a, a phenomenon we cannot ignore, given the impact on economies and the impact on on. on on, on everything, really, that lies at the core of uh, legislation. You need to then actually say, uh, well, you say it defeats the whole purpose. It was the purpose of not of the regulators who still have a job to do, right? So it is really that clashing, if you like, or and balancing to look at it more optimistically of wanting to allow a certain degree of innovation and therefore, you know, laissez-faire to happen, while at the same time, you want to make sure that it is not unbridled and uncontrolled and in a way where, you know, one can no longer expect a certain stability when one transacts in this economy as either a business or an individual, wanting to know that when you do what you do, there's going to be a certain level level of security, you know. I mean, that's what we look to governments for, right? So, Joyce, how should traditional banks and other institutions respond then? What should <laughs> <Very> they do? <laughs> how, how should they or how are they? <laughs> or how will they? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> There's well, so not, many questions, right? Actually, it's how should they? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I will sort of take that in, in a neutral way. I, I think banks uh, may have a point that, oh my goodness, you know, people are coming to our space, right? And, and they are not the banks who are regulated under... Uh, I would imagine that 
uh, while it may have been an attractive or natural question, say, are they facing an exist- existential threat? Uh, probably the reality is that uh, this threat is perhaps something of an opportunity for them, uh, mm-hmm. on the other hand. Uh, the opportunity to reinvent themselves and look at uh, their role in this future state, uh, which is of course still under construction. Uh, I see that the competitive advantage they have uh, is because they are already in a space able to have a vantage point of view, way ahead of many others, but of course uh, I think the big tech gives them a good run for their money. Mm-hmm. Uh, to actually redefine uh, what they do, perhaps even look at whether there are opportunities for collaboration with big tech. So instead of seeing that, oh, we're done because, you know, the business we have been doing is probably going to sunset in no time Mm. and we can't just make the profits that we do from that flow of funds the way we had known it because people are transacting directly with each other. Um, So maybe it's a matter of transforming uh, traditional financial systems that that they that that in a way that really make the banks and the fi- traditional financial institutions say to themselves, well, we don't need to be cut off this. Mm. Joyce, if you looked at the omnibus legislation that you alluded to earlier, in what ways do you think it could be improved, or do you feel for now it's got everything that we need? Wow, that's a huge question that will take a whole day off. Oh, okay. <laughs> I I urge you to just bring up one key point, and that should be oh, enough. The key point I would make about that is that it reflects and recognizes the fact that it is a converging uh, market in terms of you can't segment that regulation of them in the traditional way. So there's a very, very significant definition of financial institution, right? Mm. And that definition in that act basically is a very comprehensive one that covers all the people I mentioned who are who, who have been historically regulated under different pieces of legislation, mm. but there's also this sweeping thing. Mm. You know what, a catch-all kind of a definition that also covers anybody that could who provides services that can have an impact on the economy. Any specific deficiencies right now that you would urge the authorities to look into in that legislation? I couldn't say. You know, the Act has just been come into force like less than a month ago. Mm. <laughs> I think it will take some time, won't it, for uh, well, people for to sure. see how it works in the real world as well. The thing is, Singapore has been talking about being a fintech hub for the longest time. But we also have certain cautions that are constantly put out there by the authorities. For example, against cryptocurrency as an investment asset for retail investors. So how do you think we can better reconcile regulation and caution with then embracing innovation and becoming a true hub here? Well, you know, I think more awareness, you know, is important because at the moment, I think it does take a a, a fairly high degree of sophistication. For example, if you wanted to get involved in uh, DeFi transactions and activities, I mean, basically getting into the the space itself, whether as a consumer or as an investor, you really do need to kind of have quite a high level of technical knowledge and comfort, you know. Uh, And so the unsuspecting people who are kind of like thinking they can make a quick buck, I mean, I think that's where the danger lies. So I think the regulators do what they do by kind of cautioning people because in a way you kind of leave the market to play what they do. But at the same time, there is a need to tell people, look, if you're not really quite there yet in terms of the ability to play this, then you really need to educate yourself. You know, Mm -hmm. you need to know. And I think education is, in fact, one of the mission of TLF, right? I mean, Tech Law Fest. Sort of getting the thing out there 
And because we are in frontier land, you know, it takes a while for things to settle down. It takes a while for everything to land in a way where you can analyze in a crystal ball. But things are moving so fast and opportunities of this sort, of course, uh, is a quick turnaround. So you do have a very, very active market, a very, very vibrant, you know, sort of like, you know, players and participants at very different levels. Some get burned, some sort of like ride the wave. And so it is a very disparate kind of, you know, knowledge and and sophistication of people who partake in it. And then, of course, the people on the fringe are looking and they say, what is this all about? I'd like to learn a little bit about it. Uh, But what is true is that plenty of agitation there is. Okay, Joyce, we'll have to leave it at that. Thanks for joining us here. Joyce Tan is the Managing Director at Joyce A. Tan & Partners, LLC, and a panel moderator at TechLaw.Fest 2022. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.